This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Series that we sorted right after Easter, and the series is called Meaning of Life. It's been a, an opportunity for us as we celebrated resurrection, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and the, the power that Jesus offers us uh, to ask these questions about what makes our lives uh, as Christ followers uh, particularly meaningful or particularly uh, significant, and how do we live lives that reflect the truth uh, that we celebrated at Easter. And we started that first Sunday uh, with Confirmation Sunday. Uh, it was a chance for us to, uh, to come alongside of our youth that are uh, professing their faith. Uh, that day, we had just over 50 of our young people uh, stand before the church and profess their faith publicly and say, uh, we want to be part of this. We want to journey with this. We want our lives to be aligned uh, with this uh, mission uh, with, with Jesus, with, with our God. A few weeks later, another seven uh, made that same profession and, and came again in front of their church family to say, uh, this alignment with Jesus, this alignment with God's movement and God's church is something that is meaningful for us significant for us in leading us toward a different kind of life, a different kind of living. This morning, five families are joining our church here on our Apex campus. Five families, again, that are seeing the work that God is doing in each of you, seeing the work that God is doing with us collectively and saying, we want to commit to that. We want to be part of that and to come alongside of each other to to share in this journey. And so we've been asking the question, what does that mean for us? What does it mean uh, for us uh, really across three levels? And we've been asking it this way. Uh, One has been individually. You know, what is the significance uh, in my life individually? What is is the meaning for my life individually uh, as I seek to understand my relationship to God and what that means for my living in this world? The second way has been relationally or socially. We've been asking, you know, what's the significance of our lives together? You know, one thing you often uh, hear me talk about, and when I prayed for the family at Joint 930, the prayer that I offered for them was that because we are linked together, because our unique gifts come together, how might we collectively have meaningful, significant, purposeful lives uh, as a church family, as a body? And the third is cosmic or existential. How the very fact that we exist, the very fact that God chose uh, to create God's people, to journey with God's people, how does that, our very existence, actually shift us and change us to lead us uh, to, to live these meaningful uh, and significant lives? And over the last several weeks, we've, we've looked at these themes, and we've talked about them each week. This is week one. Week one, we said that our lives, again, individually, collectively, cosmically, uh, are meaningful because they are connected to something greater. And one of the most important truths that we claim as, as Christ followers, as God's created and beloved people, is that we are connected to a story that's bigger than ourselves. It's not just about us. In fact, it's not really about us at all. But we're connected to this greater story of God's work in this life and the life to come that, that draws us into that story and sends us out to be part of that. And it is that greater connection that makes this possible. The second was our lives are meaning, meaningful because they have purpose. You know, we leave, live, leave a purposeful life, an intentional life. And we talked that week in here about uh, how our lives uh, in this world are limited by time. And because they have a time limit on them in this world, we are to use that time in intentional and purposeful ways uh, so that the way that we use our time reflects our values, reflects our ethic, reflects this, this kingdom of God, a vision that God gives to each of us. And then in week three, we talked about what it means to discover meaning uh, while pursuing human perfection. That we, we follow the perfect human, Jesus, 
And we seek to be like that perfect human, live like Jesus. And, and by living like Jesus, we reflect Jesus to this world. And again, on most Sundays, you hear me offer a blessing that says something like that we might go into the world so when people see us, they don't see us, but they see Jesus. And it is that pursuit of, of holiness that we call in the Wesleyan movement a sanctification, this process of becoming holy where we find significance, we find meaning, we find direction as we try to lead, lead these purposeful, intentional, uh, significant lives. Uh, last week, uh, our youth led Youth Sunday, and if you were here, uh, you had a great treat. Uh, we had four of our youth uh, preach across five of our services. If you did not hear it, they're, they're on podcasts. I would encourage you to go back and listen to them because they talked about where they found God moving in their lives. Everything from one of our youth who preached at 815, uh, which is where he normally goes. This is a senior in high school that chooses every Sunday uh, to worship at our 815 service, which is a traditional service. It's early. Uh, it's the one Sunday, like one day of the week he feels like he can sleep in, but that's where he's worshiped for years. Uh, he's, there's two of them. There's two youth that worship that service. Um, and, he is, and, he, and he shared how that service uh, shaped for him an imagination of what church could look like, not just today as a, as a senior in high school, but for the rest of his life, his life, as he has a disciplined approach to engaging and being wrapped up and known and loved uh, by that community. And here at 930, uh, you heard a young woman talk about uh, what it meant as a senior uh, to face rejection. She was super vulnerable about her own journey and, and how, uh, how she pursued the thing that she wanted, a, a college acceptance letter uh, that didn't come. And how even in rejection, actually maybe especially in rejection, where God stepped in and journeyed alongside of her to, to create something new, a new opportunity, a new way, a new path that, that allows her to pursue something different. And yet uh, she knew that even in her rejection, even in where she felt like she may not have experienced the fullness of what she dreamt, uh, God uh, never left her. And God created a new path for her. Uh, at 11 o'clock in here and then on uh, Sunday evening as well, we heard stories about how how people came alongside of our youth, the significance of mentors in this very church, adults that, that cared for them, reminded them that they were loved and known, shared God's love with them, taught them God's word, and then, and then modeled for them what it meant to be a Christ follower, not just as a teenager, not just in college, but for, for as an adult, uh, to live lives, to work, to, to care for families, to, to journey with them and, and model that for them and the importance of mentoring uh, in their own journey. And our youth, as Hannah shared this morning, I mean, like, I, I cannot be more proud as a pastor to see our youth uh, not just receiving the love of this congregation, but leading our congregation to look differently. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about another truth, and then we're going to wrap up with this. And this is, this is the truth. We believe that reality should be better off because we lived within it. We talk about our meaning, how we lead meaningful lives and significant lives. Uh, we believe that we should not just talk about our faith or sing about our faith uh, or, or, or just process these things, but actually live lives that make our church, our community, and our world a different, better, because we live within it. Uh, this weekend, our youth choir and youth bells are actually in Atlanta. Uh, they took off uh, to, uh, to Atlanta to, uh, to not to sing this week. I think we have a picture of Chris. Do you have a picture of them? This is them. Uh, my son is one of those youth in that picture. He's a sixth grader. Uh, and they are there uh, to, again, carry God's love with them. They, they're singing in nursing homes. They actually were in a VA hospital yesterday, which I thought was incredibly appropriate uh, for Memorial Day weekend. That they, through their song, through their presence, um, through bells, through that expression, reminded many of our veterans who are sick that you are seen, that you are loved 
that even young people want to come and, and, and just share that with you. And they, they're wearing T-shirts. These are Youth Sunday T-shirts that says, Be Love. Again, we don't just talk about love, but we actually want to act as people who love. And they really are leading the way for us, again, and modeling for us what that looks like. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. You know, what does it mean for us to live lives like this? Live lives where we, by our very existence, by our very presence, are making this world a better place. And we're going to go to a place in Scripture in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bible with you and you want to read along with me, I'll be in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 25, uh, beginning with verse 31. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and the words will be on the screen uh, as well. Here is Jesus uh, talking of all things about the end times. So I know you came this weekend on a long weekend to hear about the end times. So that's what we're going to talk about. So here it goes. Uh, This is what Jesus teaches. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. And he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Uh, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When Jesus talks about uh, the mark of what it means to be a disciple, to follow Jesus, uh, we're reminded of several things. One, uh, that's not even possible without the grace of God. That God makes possible for us from the foundation of the world, from creation, to connect with God, uh, to be changed by God, and to live as people transformed uh, by that good news, by that presence. And so that, that's part of it. And then he, then he shifts and he talks about what that means for us as individuals as a community and as a world. And as individuals, I think this is one of the places where we are called to consider how our lives might be different because of this encounter with God. 
How are your lives different? How are the relationships you're in different? How is uh, the way that you work or the way that you uh, live in community different because of you experience uh, this love of Jesus? You know, one of the places that I get a chance to see this most, most poignantly, and it's one of both the hardest but also most beautiful places that I get to sit as a pastor, uh, is as people prepare for or respond uh, to the loss of someone they've loved. Uh, funerals are one of the hardest things that I do, and yet also one of the most beautiful things I get to be a part of. Because it's in those spaces where people pause and they remember the way that someone's life uh, made a difference in their lives and made a difference in this world. Uh, you, each time that I, I gather with families to reflect on the loss of a loved one, one thing that I do is I invite uh, family members and friends uh, to share as part of that service uh, ways that they experienced uh, the character of God uh, in the person that they lost. And, uh, and they ask me, they, often they ask me, they're like, we don't do this, you know, how do we do this well? And I said, one of the best ways that I've found is to name a characteristic of God or a value of God that you saw in this person and then just tell a story. Tell a story about how they reflected that and how they lived that for you. And there's lots of things they share. I mean, some of those are things like, um, like friendship or compassion or hospitality or sacrificial love. And they'll share this attribute and then they'll just tell a story about how that person uh, embody that. And often it's in little things. You know, often it's not this grand story or this grand story of transformation, but it's a, a little moment, a small moment where that person, uh, you know, offered them uh, some, some model of what it meant to be loved. A few weeks ago, I was at a funeral um, where a grandson talked about his grandma and how when they would go visit uh, his grandparents, they'd pull up to the house and they would be so excited to see him. And he just remembers every time they came, it was like a big celebration uh, that he walked in that space. And, and one thing that he shared was that it really was in that place to know God's unconditional love and God's abundant love for each of us. He learned that from watching the way his grandparents lived. You know, I had the, the, the privilege of speaking at both of my grandparents' funerals. Let me have a picture, Chris. Do you have a picture? Uh, this is my, um, my grandfather and my grandma. This is Papa Epp and Granny. They're actually with uh, my son, Coleman, who's now a sixth grader, and this picture is less than one. Uh, and as I spoke, I, I remember telling these stories, and especially for, uh, for my grandma, as I talked about her and experienced her life, she was one of those people that uh, just did things uh, so quietly and so faithfully. And as I talked to my cousins and those around her, they, they told stories about uh, what would go to like, just go sit and do a puzzle together or go uh, sit and watch a ball game together. Uh, one thing that I loved about, about my grandma is we, we would often call when there was a game on, and you'd always find her in front of whatever ball game was playing. And we would ask her, you know, you know Granny, who are you pulling for today? And as a, grand, you know, as a grandchild, and I, I went to UVA, and so we liked Virginia, and, and often they'd be like playing someone like Carolina. My sister went to Carolina. And I would call and I'd ask, you know, who are you pulling for? Who do you, like, who do you want to win today? And she would say, you know, Tim, I, I, just, I, I hope UVA wins today. Go Wahoos. Then my sister would call five minutes later. And say, Granny, who are you pulling for today? She goes, I just, I'm so, I'll be so glad when Carolina wins. Go heels. And she, then she would say, and don't tell Tim I said that, because I just told him the other thing. <laughs> but this is what I loved about her. She always loved the things that we loved. She wanted to make sure that she knew, that we knew, that she loved the things that we cared about. She was passionate about the things that we were passionate about. When I was in divinity school, and I was going back to get my Master of Divinity, my, my MDiv at Duke. Every month, she wrote me a check for $25. Not because it was a lot of money, but just a little bit to say, we want you to know that we are proud of you and we are journeying with you 
uh, through this season of your life. It was that little thing that reminded me of the character of a God who loves the things that we love and is proud of the way God's children are moving towards God's purposes. Uh, when I spoke at my grandfather's uh, funeral around that same time, uh, we had actually driven uh, to that community and went to a gas station we don't normally go to. It was in the town over in Franklinton. And we pulled in. It was like not one of the pay-at-the-pump gas stations. You had to go inside and, and pay for your gas. I remember handing my credit card uh, to the cashier, and he looked at my credit card, and the guy was not much older than I was, and he asked the question. He said, are you related to Ep Catlett? And I said, yeah, I am. And I didn't recognize him or his name or his family name. And then he went and proceeded to tell me a story about my grandfather when he was a, a manager at a, a plant in Franklinton. And one of his employees, this guy's father, uh, didn't have enough money to fix the roof on their house. And my grandfather had come alongside this family to make that possible. Now, I will tell you, in my household, we hear stories all the time. Uh, the men in my family, my dad, his cousins, like they love to tell stories. Whether they're true or not, they just love to tell stories. Uh, this was a story I'd never heard. Now, as I was preparing to speak at his funeral, I heard more and more of these stories, these quiet, faithful moments where he just saw people and saw where people had need, whether they were sick, whether they needed financial help, whatever it may be, and gave the little that he had to offer to make a difference in their world. So one of the questions I want to ask and challenge each of you to consider this day is who are you paying attention to? Who are the people in your life today that a small gesture, a small movement, a small expression of God's love might remind them that they are seen, that they are loved, they're not forgotten, and that one of God's children sees them as part of God's family and wants to be God's love for them? Who might God be laying on your heart today where you as an individual might make that kind of difference? Well, the second way we do this is we do it together. And one of the ways that I love how we do this together as a church is there's just so many places where we realize that we are better together than we are as individuals. And we, we as the body of Christ have unique gifts that we bring uh, to this journey together and, and we find ways to, to invest in, and to make a difference in our world. And, there, and there's lots of ways. One of those is Zoe. Uh, when Hannah shared that story about Zoe, you know, we come alongside of our children and our children are leading us to be together a church community that, that makes a real difference in this world. And they're helping draw us together so that together we might transform communities, uh, not just in North Carolina, not just in our country, uh, but communities of children uh, in Africa that desperately need someone to come alongside and help them fulfill God's dreams for their lives. We did this a few weeks ago with Red Cross. Red Cross was here, and we gave 47 units of blood that will help save, I mean, 47 lives, people that, that need something as tangible as blood to, to make that possible. The week following that, we hosted homeless families right here in our church family. Family Promise uh, was upstairs in our CLC where they, uh, they came together and our church just created space uh, for families that are in between homes uh, to have a way uh, by which they might become whole. And we see this with, uh, with hurricane relief. We see this with AOSP, uh, with YES. Uh, we see this in lots of ways where we choose to allow the gifts that we have been given to be linked together as the body of Christ so that collectively we might change the world. And again, one of the challenges I might offer you is where, uh, where is God calling you to, to use those gifts in this body? You may, maybe you've been waiting for that nudge, that push to say, you know, where can I serve? And maybe you're saying VBS is the place where you can step in and, and nurture our children. 
Maybe it is a week at AOSP where you might be a team lead uh, for, one of our, for one of our groups to help what's now almost 160 high schoolers uh, be deployed in Southwest Wake County and around this county to serve our neighbors. Wherever it may be, where might your unique gifts make us collectively uh, look more like Jesus? The last thing I want to talk about this morning is actually about how this connects us cosmically or existentially to God. And one of the things that I think we do or try to do well is create a space where because we encounter God, this is possible. Because again, what I believe, what we believe is that none of this is possible without a true encounter uh, with God. Uh, Sheila Ayler, who was preaching uh, next door this morning in our traditional spaces, uh, shared this story from, with me this week about Bishop Will Willimon. Uh, Bishop Willimon, before he was bishop, was the dean of Duke Chapel at Duke University. And so he preached there every Sunday, had great relationships with, uh, with students there. And he told this story about uh, one of those students and how God moved uh, in their lives. And this is what he said. Uh, he says, uh, Bishop Will Willimon, who was the dean of actually Duke Chapel, not Duke Divinity, uh, received a call from the father of a Duke student. And the father was raging and ranting because his daughter, who was about to graduate with an engineering degree from Duke, had answered a call she heard to go be a missionary in Honduras. The father said, why did you do this to her? How can you let her throw away a promising career for a missionary position? The bishop answered, Dad, it's your fault, not mine. Didn't you have her baptized as an infant in your United Methodist Church? Take her to Sunday school? Send her to church camp and on youth mission trips? Encourage her to take Bible study classes? The father said, of course we did. But we only expected her to be a good Methodist, not someone called to actually go do something. Here's the problem. The problem is that we believe that when you encounter God through the Holy Spirit, that's actually our response. When we actually have an encounter with God, when we encounter the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, in our communities, in this church family, that we can't help but go do something. Now, it might not be as a missionary in Honduras, but when God really moves in us, our behavior change, our lives change, so the world we are a part of communities that we are in, the neighborhoods we live in, the, the workplaces where we reside actually are different. They look more like the kingdom of God simply because we are a part of them. And so that's my invitation to all of us today. As you are invited to encounter God once again this morning, how is your life? How is your household? How is your community? How is your workplace? How is this world different? How is this world more like the kingdom of God by your presence. And my guess is that God might be laying people on your heart right now. There might be individuals. You might have somebody in your mind that God is saying, you know, I, this is a place where you can make a difference. It might be a, a group of people. It might be uh, some neighbors that you know are hungry and through our partnership with a place like Western Weight Crisis Ministry, you're choosing to, to give a bag of groceries every week when you're here to help feed tangibly and literally hungry people right here in our community. It might be those displaced by hurricanes that you want to go and, and this next Saturday give a, give a day uh, to care uh, for those that are displaced not far from here. Whoever it may be, I would just invite you to listen to God's prompting today, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, uh, to allow your lives to be meaningful, to be significant, to have a purpose. But because we encounter Christ, 
our worlds are better for it. Let me pray for us today. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we gather here in this place, we do ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to truly encounter you today. We'd have the courage to listen where you speak, to see where you see, to love the way you love, to care for the children that you care for. Help us to have a holy imagination and help us to have the courage to go and to live lives that reflect that imagination. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the ways you move in each of us, the way that you lead us to be your people this day and always. Amen.